welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we tell you what we're looking forward to in 2024. I'm Kim Hollis, re-falling in love with the NBA after a brief 30-year break. (laughs) We love you despite everything, Cade Cunningham. (laughs) Poor Cade. Speaking of which, with me are Tim Brighty, content creator and gamer, winner of the same number of games as the Detroit Pistons in the last two months. (laughs) How is this possible? This shouldn't happen, but it's amazing. We know you're trying, Kate Cunningham. It's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Also, David Mumpower, author of Behind the Ride and streaming media analyst who gave Kim the thing she has always wanted and she didn't even appreciate it. I wasted my time on a creative writing course for nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. What you've written is very good. And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial, who just wants to go back to work. Please. I got a Teams message when I was sitting in front of the TV yesterday and I almost tossed my laptop trying to answer it. (laughs) This week, things have quieted down a little bit in Hollywood. Yeah, there was a lot of ink spilled last week about what a terrible year 2023 was. We don't have to recap that. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know. And there was just as much ink spilled making predictions about 2024. Uh, Predictions are terrible and never accurate. Right. So instead, we're just going to tell you what we're looking forward to the most in 2024. Will it be a hit? Will it suck? I guess we'll find out. Here's what's got us most excited for 2024. The list will start with a movie from me called If, also known as Imaginary Friends. This was written and directed by John Krasinski and stars Ryan Reynolds. This is about imaginary friends. A little girl can see people's imaginary friends and so can Ryan Reynolds. So you've got a host of awesome voices, including Steve Carell, Emily Blunt, Aquafina, Sam Rockwell, Vince Vaughn, and several more. I love the animation of these imaginary friends. And I also I just like the idea of a movie about imaginary friends. I think it's a cool concept. The highlight of the trailer is whenever they pull out the invisible imaginary friend. Those are money jokes, right? right there. Yeah, the trailer didn't necessarily click for me. I appreciate that Ryan Reynolds has been trying to do more kid-friendly content recently. As he gets older, he can't always be doing the action hero stuff, but this one really didn't work for me. But I don't know. I'm open to having my opinion changed. Like it's a mid-May release right now, so it looks like Paramount's got a lot of confidence in it. And I definitely saw a bunch of ads for it during Christmas football games and basketball games. So yeah, this this is, I guess, one to watch, at least box office-wise too. Yep, I definitely feel like, like you said it's got a good release date it's got ryan reynolds ahead of deadpool 3 it has a lot going for it so i will be excited to see if it's good if it sucks whatever we'll find out tim how about you i got a few things but first i have to go with fallout the upcoming tv show from prime that trailer was awesome it was actually you could tell that people making it hey have actually played the fallout games unlike you know i don't know halo or something like that (laughs) so it definitely The visuals look like they fit right in out of the in-game universe. So I'm definitely looking forward to checking that out when it comes out. And there may be a theme uh, among the things that I'm going to list throughout this episode. But well, yeah, we'll start with Fallout. It's, you know, post-apocalyptic. The idea is, you know, humanity's been in these these vaults, which may or may not have turned out to be social experiments. And some some are uh, released into the wasteland. The visuals, I saw that trailer. I said, okay, this shot to the top of my anticipation for next year. I'm so super excited and hope it doesn't suck. Yeah, that trailer is money. Yeah, I think it's going to be 
somewhat telling that nobody here listed Halo Season 2 as something they're looking forward to <laughs> in 2024. But oh my gosh, that a Fallout trailer looked fantastic. Yeah, many of the people on this podcast hold the admittedly contrarian opinion that Jonathan Nolan is the talent, not Christopher Nolan. And we saw with Westworld that he is really to go out there with his ideas on remakes. And with Fallout, it seems like he has done a loving tribute to the ideas of the video game franchise, complete with the fact that there's an inference at one point that somebody eats rat meat, which you use to get back health in the games. It's gross and it's it's true, and I cannot believe they put it in the trailer, but this just looks pitch perfect. Yes, they haven't based it on any of the uh, the story based on any of the games, apparently. It's going to be its own original thing with original characters, which is which is fine in this instance, because that, that's generally how the game works, is you're creating a new character with each game, and you're kind of a, a blank slate, you can play it the way you want. But yeah, just the visuals alone absolutely sold me. It's like, hey, they may have gotten this right. It's not out till April, but it is absolutely the top thing I'm looking forward to most next year. So yeah, one movie I'm looking forward to in uh, 2024 is the new Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. They've kept a lot of the details of that movie under wraps for quite some time. I knew it was being filmed, but they weren't really teasing much about it until they dropped the trailer earlier this year as a bit of a surprise. It really looks great. Ghostbusters are back in New York City. A lot of the original cast is back again. I really enjoyed the last Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife, especially after the reboot misfire they had done before. Jason Reitman is steering the franchise now, and I feel he's really got a feel for it, having picked up from where his father, Ivan Reitman, had been doing the work. And especially with a lot of the original cast, as well as the new cast they've introduced, including Paul Rudd, this really looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know if it's going to be a hit at the box office, but I am excited to go see it. All right, David, you're up. Yeah, so my first choice is the first ever Pixar television series. I don't need to tell you all how spectacular Pixar has become as the predominant storytelling machine on the planet. Disney had to buy them because they were getting beaten by a much smaller company, one who could do more with less. Since Pixar has entered under the Disney umbrella, they've had more misses than they had in the past, but their hits are just spectacular. There was a time where our former site, Box Box Office Profits was doing the Calvin Awards, our end-year voting. Pixar won something like three out of five years, and it finished in the top three the other two years. That's how consistent and great they've been. And now we have this series using the voice of Will Fort, whom we absolutely adore. He's going to be Coach Dan in a television series called Win or Lose about a co-ed middle school softball team that has made its way to the finals. And every episode of the series tells the perspective of different people about the events that led to their appearance in the championship game. It just sounds so sweet and tender, and it's executive produced by Pete Doctor and Andrew Stanton, so I have every confidence in the world. It has been overseen in a way that will guarantee it is kind, well-intended, and surprisingly poignantly funny. I am so excited about Win or Lose. 
All right. For my next choice, I will go with a streaming series. And that streaming series is Agatha Darkhold Diaries, which as of now is slated to come out in 2024. We'll see if that holds. Hopefully it will. I loved Agatha in the original WandaVision played by Katherine Hahn. They've added Aubrey Plaza to the cast. She's fantastic. I am just really looking forward to seeing what they do here. Yeah, all throughout the year, they've been adding cast members to the series, and it just seems to be getting better and better. So I think if Disney can get their MCU stuff together, this one's going to be a pretty strong series. I feel like you've been looking forward to this ever since WandaVision, even before years before it was even announced. <laughs> yeah, you know, she was such a scene stealer, although everybody in WandaVision was terrific. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're just looking forward to her, whatever she did next. And I'm so glad that she gets her own series. All right, Tim, what's next for you? Continuing with the theme, I mentioned Fallout. I am hoping that the upcoming Borderlands movie is actually good. Unlike Fallout, where each game takes place in different areas, so there's no really recurring characters. This one is thankfully taking characters from the video game universe that we know, not creating brand new ones that we're going to have no idea who they are. It's going to have... Some of the original Fall Dweller characters who were the playable characters in the first game and NPCs in the second one. So you have Kate Blanchett as Lilith, Kevin Hart as Roland. You have Jamie Lee Curtis as Tannis, who's one of the funniest characters in the game. Hopefully that comes through. Jack Black will be voicing Claptrap. They have a tiny Tina. Yes, you need to include these characters from the game because you, you cannot top them. And I hope that they get this one right as well. It's Eli Roth's project. So I guess that's probably a point in its favor. I think that hopefully they get it right. But this has a chance to be absolutely amazing, given how goofy and entertaining the the games with these characters were it's got a heck of a great cast Mm -hmm. eli roth i have high hopes for this because you really as long as you haven't messed with the margins too much it's a can't go wrong kind of story because the video game is so zany and just completely unpredictable and let's not forget dirty and just absolutely ridiculous that as long as you're just staying true to the various characters it's a can't miss thing I cannot wait to see what they do with Mad Moxie. Who'd you say was going to play her, Tom? Gina Gershon. So, yeah, just the storyline potential here is outrageously high as long as, you know, there's not too much. Let's be honest, Eli Roth in it. That's the only ingredient here that can go (laughs) wrong. I'm sure we'd all like to know who the mysterious Joe Crombie, who co-wrote the film, is. That's a curiosity right there. All right, Raul, how about you? I'm going to go with an upcoming Netflix series called Dead Boy Detectives. These are characters that were created by Neil Gaiman and first appeared in Sandman number 25. So this is actually part of Warner Brothers Discovery's DC universe. It was, in fact, I believe, supposed to premiere on Max, but hey, we know how that worked out. Netflix has done a great job with Gaiman's Sandman and So Dead Boy Detectives apparently is going to be part of that Sandman universe on Netflix. These are two young boys who are dead, but do paranormal investigations and help people with their spooky investigations. This looks great. There is a trailer out there for you to watch and it is coming out in 2024 and I'm very much looking forward to it. All right, David, how about you? Yeah, so the next thing I want to highlight is another animated one, and that is X-Men 97. I have trouble reconciling this because in the early 1990s, Fox Kids was not programming I should have been watching, but I was because the X-Men animated series 
told serial television in a way that we really hadn't seen up until that point. And a lot of future Fox programming, like the X-Files, would kind of steal the idea from it, wherein something would happen in season two of X-Men and it would conclude and they would build a different storyline based on the history of the characters. And I know that sounds like a little thing today, but it didn't happen in the 1990s. This show was so far ahead of its time that a real thing that happened, it's still amazing to talk about is there was a belief that an X-Men movie could do well and nobody was sure. So Fox actually went ahead and aired X-Men, the animated series, in prime time just to see how it did. That test succeeded so much that now Hugh Jackman is Wolverine to an entire generation of fans. It's a real thing that happened. This show was responsible for many of the comic book films you see today. They would not have happened, at least not in that form, if not for this. At the end of the X-Men series, which, by the way, died kind of a gruesome fate, almost, you know, ignominiously, it just suddenly kind of went away and Charles Xavier boarded a spaceship and went away to Lalandra's home planet, the Shi'ar homeworld. That was it. That was them saying goodbye. It was like a graduation day where the X-Men could survive it without him. But now here, this many years later, and it's nearly 30, they're just going to say with X-Men 97, oh, you know what? Here is the direct sequel to the events of that day. I am here for it. I cannot wait for it. Tim joked earlier about how it feels like we've been waiting for that Agatha series essentially since WandaVision premiered. I think they announced X-Men 97 on the day they launched Disney Plus and who we are still waiting for it three years later. So it's about time it comes out. I'll echo David. That series in the 90s was so spectacular. I watched it. It was kind of airing at nearly the same time as Batman, the animated series. So there was some great superhero storytelling happening at that time. And there are some very high emotional moments in the series and some characters that I really love. And I'm I'm very excited about X-Men 97. Quick fact check roll. It was announced on Disney Plus Day in 2021. Yeah, that'll make it three years by the time it premieres. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, my next choice is going to be a video game for the Switch. It's called Princess Peach Showtime, and it puts Princess Peach at front and center. She is the protagonist of her own game. She gets to be a sword fighter. She gets to be a street fighter. She gets to do all sorts of awesome things in this game, and it looks really adorable and fun, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, after I saw this title on Kim's list, I went to watch a trailer and it looks like a whole heck of a lot of fun. The Mario games, they find a way to make them different every time. And that's great for Nintendo. But this one really, really introduces a whole new angle to the entire Mario universe. So this is great for Nintendo. Good job. It actually gives me, David, a little bit of a Final Fantasy X2 feeling because as she changes her clothes, she changes what her abilities are. Yes, like the dress fears? Yes. I don't know if they took their inspiration from that or what, but it just delighted me. Oh, you had me at dress fears. Now I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tim, how about you? So my most anticipated game of 2024 would actually have probably also made my list for most anticipated game of 2023 because they they pushed it back shortly before the release date. It is something you probably haven't heard of called Broken Roads and continuing the theme of Fallout and Borderlands. It is a top-down 3D turn-based RPG 
that takes place in a post-apocalyptic Australian outback. And it's definitely an absolutely 100% an homage to, you know, the original Fallout games and, and all that. It's been in development for, for quite a while. They've constantly released information about it. It looks absolutely amazing. I don't really know what the story is is yet. They did mention there are 400,000 somehow words of dialogue and just different amounts of dialogue trees and chains and all that that you'll, you'll come across through the game, which is probably why I got delayed. And then the key main point is the morality choices that you make during the game. They're calling it the moral compass where you won't be able to switch back and forth between, you know, being benevolent and being, okay, I'm going to kill you all in the same conversation. You need to be consistent. You need to gradually work your way to that type of philosophy rather than just being like, what's going to be the best choice for me here in terms of, you know, getting this, say, getting this quest done or getting the most loot or rewards from the mission with the decisions you make. So that's absolutely fascinating. That basically ensures you will probably need to play through it multiple times, you know, to experience everything because you can't just make the same easy decisions every every single time. You you can play it one way, you can play it a different way each time with, of course, different skills and, and abilities. I've mentioned numerous times I'm an absolutely a sucker for any game like this. They don't have an official release date yet other than early 2024, but it was supposed to be out in November 2023. So hopefully it's not too much longer. They did say it will be worth the wait. So that is absolutely hoping to take a big chunk of my time at some point in the future. You're up next, Raul. I don't have a video game on my list, but I do have something that could arguably be used to play video games, I suppose. And it's on my list for all the wrong reasons. And that is the Apple Vision Pro. That is, don't call it VR, but it is Apple's VR headset. When I first saw this thing, I said that it was never actually going to come out. It just seemed like the most absurd thing. And uh, to this day, I'm not entirely sure it's going to come out, although the release date was originally announced as March 2024. I'm hearing rumors that it's actually coming out in January. So get ready. This thing looks stupid. It's coming out at the wrong time. The entire VR, AR, metaverse thing has entirely imploded at this point. If anyone could actually make it work, it probably would be Apple. But this thing is just the most absurd thing ever. It is a huge, huge VR headset that you wear on your head and has an accessory pack that you have to like clip to your belt because it's so heavy. If you're familiar with the uh, book and movie Ready Player One or even this is a deep cut, the Red Dwarf Better Than Life game, this is pretty much that same thing. You're supposed to be able to wear this around the house because you could see through it and watch movies and play games. And all I hear about it is that it is too heavy, that people aren't going to be comfortable wearing it. And also it costs an absolute fortune. I think the price is somewhere in what, the $3,000 range? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to this thing just crashing and burning. But again, I'm not predicting. I just want to see this come out and see what happens. I'll be honest. When Apple first announced the iPad, I thought it was a stupid idea. And now I have one sitting here right next to me. It's actually my third iPad. I've had many. So this may very <laughs> well work. But no, I just want to see how absurd this thing is. I can't imagine someone sitting in their living room wearing this. Let's see this happen. <laughs> No, we're we're not getting that for you for Christmas next year, Earl. <laughs> I uh, I thought Please the don't. iPhone would I thought the iPhone would crash and burn. So you know, here we are. I have no idea how many iPhones I've had at this point. David, you're next. Deadpool three. I will take no further questions. <laughs> that was one that was going to be on everybody's list. Yes. Will it make 2024 though? 
Will it make 2024? Oh, I think it could have made March if they'd wanted it to. Okay. Uh, as near as I can tell, during his divorce, Hugh Jackman has just moved into Ryan Reynolds's place, and they just run cameras all the time. <laughs> I, I don't know. Blake Lively must be ripping her hair out at this point for the house guests who won't leave. But the two of them are just ultimate best friends, and it's been fascinating to watch this relationship unfold because if you look at it analytically, there was an X-Men Origins war. Wolverine story where Ryan Reynolds played Weapon X, aka Deadpool. The movie was a huge disappointment. Critics hated it. And at the time, Hugh Jackman was like one of the biggest stars in the world. And now the situation is kind of reversed where Ryan Reynolds can do no wrong these days. He really can't. And let's be honest, Hugh Jackman needs Wolverine even though he technically said goodbye to the character in Logan. And Reynolds has just happily said, you know, what'll make Deadpool 3 fantastic is if we get Ryan Reynolds involved. Here we are. And on top of that, you know, random people from old Marvel comic movies are coming back. Like, I don't know, Jennifer Garner as Elektra? Who asked for that? Literally nobody. But that's where we are with this entire thing where everything is fair game. It is going to be just a bunch of deep cuts and a lot of fun and it is going to introduce the former Fox Marvel Universe characters into the official MCU. We actually had this set up with the Marvels in a mid-credits scene. No matter what amount of money you told me was your estimate for Deadpool 3's box office, I believe it. And that flies in the face of some people who are saying 2024 might not actually have a $1 billion hit. I disagree. I think Deadpool 3 is as close to a lock for a billion dollars as you can have. Oh, okay. They're now shooting for July to release it because we know that wasn't originally the most recent date we had was first weekend of May and everyone's like that's probably not going to happen given they couldn't film it due to the strikes but yeah it had been, been I, March I mean I thought, I thought it had been too yeah I, I was going to say I thought it was March at one point as well within three weeks of the strike ending they were back filming again like I'm not kidding around I think all Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds do is sit around and going you know what would be good for Deadpool 3 <laughs> so Disney's going to make this happen no matter what this year and boy, do they need a win. So I guess this is it. Okay, next on my list is an upcoming novel called The Book of Love by Kelly Link. Kelly Link is known for writing speculative fiction, scary short stories. This will be her debut novel, so she has primarily been known as a short story writer. And I have loved all of her collections of short stories. They're usually about either some sort of a fantasy world rewritten or something scary happening. And I am just super excited to see what she does with a full-length book. So Kelly Link, if you haven't read her short story books, grab one and do yourself a favor. You'll enjoy it. Tim, you're up. I apparently really want to live in a post-apocalyptic society, so I also have to mention Furiosa, because we're finally getting the spin-off to Mad Max Fury Road. Not Charlie Theron, but Anya Taylor-Joy will be playing the character as it's a prequel to Fury Road. We all absolutely loved Fury Road came out of nowhere and was amazing, so this is George Miller's next project in that universe. Absolutely have to check this one out. Yep, the trailer's great. It looks great. Chris Hemsworth as <laughs> the heavy is 
very exciting. I, I think this is this will be a big one. Yeah, and I, I want to emphasize the fact that Fury Road is one of the best stories of the 21st century, and I'm lost in admiration for its simplicity because if you just analyze what happens in the film, and Kim's heard me say this before because I'm blown away by it, they drive from one place to another, and then they drive back. That is 100% the plot of Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> it, it is. Yes, absolutely. And nobody ever thinks about that because so much happens along the way that it really is the journey, not the destination. Because the destination is right where you're standing. Maybe don't leave. It'll save a lot of lives and, you know, fuel. But here we are, and we're now getting a prequel to it. And the prequel looks perfectly cast and perfectly in tone and spirit with the last film. And that is just a remarkable credit to all involved. I am so fired up about this one. I'm going to follow along with Kim here and suggest a book that I'm looking forward to in 2024. And that is the Gravity Falls book, The Book of Bill, ostensibly written by Alex Hirsch. But yes, it's actually written by the villain of Gravity Falls, Bill Cipher, the evil demon ghost, whatever he is. This one looks fantastic. My kids and I just love everything about Gravity Falls. And it's been too long since we've had any new Gravity Falls content. This book will apparently be a mix of text and images as the Journal 3 book was that came out a couple of years ago. This is something I'm very excited about. It's coming out this summer and I'm already on a wait list for it to arrive. All right, David, you're up next. Yeah, so I have not played many new video games lately, uh, and most of the ones I do are sports games where I can just, you know, pick it up quickly and not have to think too much. There was one exception over the last few years. Technically, there were two. There was the Resident Evil 4 remake, which is masterful, and there was the Final Fantasy 7 remake, which I was just absolutely in awe of how brave and daring it was, because in that PS5 remake, they basically said, we know that Final Fantasy Fantasy 7 is one of the most revered video games of all time, and we're going to remake it, and we might change a lot of it. And that is our right because we are the people in charge of the IP and it is our decision to do it. And you'll notice this is the thing Disney gets absolutely killed for when it does live action remakes of its animated classics. But you're seeing a kind of boldness involved here where the people who own the stuff are going. But you know what? There's a new generation of people and they weren't around when this came out. They don't know that story. And we think we can tell it better now. That's what happened with Final Fantasy VII, which, by the way, that is entire game was the equivalent of one disc of the original Final Fantasy VII. So now we're on disc two, and that is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and that's going to be the one that probably has some characters you're familiar with. I'm not going to give anything away, but it's going to extend the story, and we're going to learn a lot more about one of the real mystery characters of Final Fantasy VII, which is Zack. The protagonist in the original story basically took on the identity of Zack. It's kind of monstrous when when you think about it, but he was doing it as a way to kind of pay tribute and also as a form of, let's be honest, stolen valor. In Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, we're going to get a different look at who Zack actually was, and I cannot wait for that because they're adding to the deep, rich story of Final Fantasy VII, quite possibly the greatest video game ever. All right, I'll put the Final Fantasy VII remake on my Steam wish list. <laughs> Tim, if you want it, I will buy it for you as long as you promise to play it. It means that much to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
All right, my next choice is Inside Out 2. So we've already talked about Pixar here, but Inside Out 2 is coming this year. I think it will, like the original, make plenty of money. So <laughs> I, I think it'll, again, be kind of a return to form for Pixar. I have loved the trailer. I love the addition of new emotions and feelings, especially as the main character is now a teenager, which we all know as adults can be a very complicated time. Pete Doctor is heading up all of Pixar at this point, and I really do have faith in him. At least, we you know, going to be a bunch of voices, of course, but Amy Poehler, Phyllis Smith, and Lewis Black will, are back as joy, sadness, and anger. Yes. Yes. All returning. The new voices for fear and disgust. But yes, yep. of course, I don't see why it wouldn't be awesome. Yep. How about you, Tim? Let's go with something that's not official yet, but probably likely to happen next year. And that, of course, is only Murders in the Building Season 4. We've gotten each season in the last three years. We know that Steve Martin and company are probably able to make these very quickly. They just say, hey, hey, who's in New York City this weekend and, and wants to take part in this? So we'll work out what the plot is later on. You know, of course, they set it up at the end of Season 3. Every season of the show has been great. We don't have an official announcement yet, but I would be shocked if we didn't get it in 2024. Yeah, this feels like something we've been looking forward to every year with every season. And like you said, Tim, every season's been great. They've yet to disappoint. And even if they only ever do one more season, and at this point, it feels like they're just going to keep doing them. This is going to be a, presumably another great season. I'm going to choose a couple of titles here that are, in fact, additional seasons of shows we've been watching. And in fact, probably the last seasons for both of these shows. And that's the Umbrella Academy on uh, Netflix season four and Cobra Kai on Netflix season six. These are shows that I've watched religiously throughout from the very start. I'm looking forward to them wrapping up both their storylines. The most interesting thing about Cobra Kai is that they've actually announced a new Karate Kid movie with, with the actors of the previous Karate Kid remake, Jackie Chan, as well as the original Karate Kid, Ralph Macchio, teaming up together. So this is a very clever way of bringing the entire franchise together, I assume before the movie can come out, the series needs to wrap up. So I'm uh, looking forward to seeing where they go with this. I'll tell you honestly, Cobra Kai has not been a big budget production last season when they went to Okinawa. You could tell they visited an open air mall and decorated it as if it was Okinawa. So <laughs> nice job there, guys. And even the storylines aren't all that intelligent, but it's great to be going back and seeing some of the original characters that you might have grown up with in the 80s. So I'm looking forward to both of these series wrapping up in 2024. All right, go ahead, David. And finally, we have Kung Fu Panda 4, which is coming out in 2024. And it is the direct sequel to one of the most underrated films of the 21st century. Kung Fu Panda 3 legitimately got a bad rap. And the reason why it didn't bring the funny. Instead, they told just this absolutely tender homecoming story about Poe finally learning about his roots and his origins, and the ending of that film was as sweet as anything I've seen in 20 years. It really is. It was a fitting climax to the story, but obviously we live in a world where IP continues, and I'm okay with that. So I'm just going to look at that as if that was the end of the story I knew, and now they're going to try something different, and because 
because all three Kung Fu Panda movies have been so good, I'm giving them the absolute benefit of the doubt here, and I can't wait to see what they do next. And Kim, you're actually with me on this one, aren't you? I absolutely am. I loved Kung Fu Panda 3. I thought it was lovely. I was actually pretty excited for this trailer. It does bring a little bit more funny, at least it looks like it. And I'm also excited that Ian McShane seems to be back, even if it's as an amalgam in the form of another character. All right, guys. So before we wrap everything up, I did want to toss one more thing out. And this is one thing that's going to keep me watching streaming pretty much throughout the summer. And that is the 2024 Summer Olympics coming out of Paris. Peacock's been promoting that they're going to be live streaming every single event, which uh, this is news. I think they promised that last time. Yes, I'm pretty sure the (laughs) last Summer Olympics, even the last Winter Olympics, were live streamed every single event. But I don't know, maybe they weren't. I've done this for the Olympics over the last few years now. Uh, I will probably have both of my TVs running different events concurrently and eating up all my bandwidth. So I'm very much looking forward to that. That is going to be the one thing that's probably going to be the most streamed piece of content in my house in 2024. Who would have thought Peacock would have made two Olympics? Will it make three? Don't hold your breath. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at StreamingVoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider becoming a supporter on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Streaming Void. Be sure to watch for us again next week. 